Grace, mercy, and peace be multiplied to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Pray with me. Gracious God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, thank you for your mercy and grace that are everlasting and unending and new every morning. So show us what you have in your word that you would continually form us into the image of the one who lived, died, and rose for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Today we meet Hosea. Hosea, if you don't know anything about him, is probably the best book you've never read, at least in the Bible. Because you might be familiar with many others, but not him. He's the first of the 12 minor prophets, not by when he lived, but where the order in the Bible. So it starts with Hosea, Joel we looked at, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, looked at him, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi. So Hosea kicks them off, you might say. That's because the first three chapters of Hosea sets the stage. The story of his life and the image, the object lesson God is telling his people sets the stage for how they've been acting throughout all of the prophets and what God's trying to do through the prophets. It's call them back to God. So God's people keep walking away, keep walking away, and God's calling them back through the prophets. And so in Hosea, he gives with his life a living object lesson so they can see what they are doing. So let's get into it. Here is how it begins. The word of the Lord that came to Hosea, a lot of prophets start this way, son of Beeri during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and during the reign of Jeroboam, son of Jehoash, king of Israel. So to make sense of that, here, I'll put it in a, make those verses look a little different. That'll help you make sense. There you go. During the reigns of, so remember, God's people at this time were split up into two kingdoms, North and south. So blue is north, gold is south. Judah and Benjamin are in the south, and the ten tribes. So after, after David and Solomon, after Solomon, the kingdom split. Solomon's son, Rehoboam, has Judah and Benjamin, but then Jeroboam, not related, he was one of Solomon's kind of head herdsman people, got the northern ten to rebel against them, and then they become the northern tribes. And so the north always has bad kings. They might have been politically successful, but they didn't care about God. The south, Judah and Benjamin, has some good kings, but mostly bad kings that lead their people away from God, don't look out for the welfare of their people, they oppress the poor, all the things God says don't do. So God's trying to call them back, giving them chance after chance after chance. And so God sends Hosea to the north. Most of the prophets are in the south, Hosea is to the north. So you see Israel, the north, has one king, Jeroboam the second, not Jeroboam the first because he's a few hundred years later. We're at 740 to 715 B.C. To the south, they're having a rough time. They've ran through four kings during the same time. So Jeroboam the second in the north, politically doing well, again, but doesn't care about God and what God wants. And so Hosea is sent by God as a picture with words but and his, with his life to show God's people what they are doing. And the picture is unsettling, and it's not G-rated. What is that picture? I'm going to skip those. Here we go. Uh, when the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go, marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her, for like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness. Faithfulness to the Lord. 
the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Have a great day. <laughs> ah, this is uncomfortable. As I said, the Bible's not G-rated. It's not sanitized. The Bible is honest and raw and truthful. So if you want a cutesy, sanitized, feel-good spirituality, you're going to have to look somewhere else. The Bible is not that. But if you want a God who loves his people passionately and wants them and would do anything to rescue them and get them back, read the Bible. God loves his people intensely. So God tells Hosea then to do something hard, and what is that? He says to make a living image, more like a living indictment of God and God's people. He asks Hosea to marry a woman with a reputation, you might say, and a history. Hosea, I'm sure, though, probably thought, well, if I love, her name's Gomer, very well and faithful to her, that would change her forever and we'll have a happy, wonderful marriage, and she'll be rescued from a prostitute's life, and he'll care for her forever, and they'll live happily ever after. That's, I'm sure, what Hosea is hoping for. Does that happen? We'll see. But let's pick apart the image that God gives. So, if, he, if this is the image, who is God like? God is like Hosea, right? So, Hosea is like God in this image, and then who does Gomer represent? He represents God's people, right? The Israelites, Okay, now here's where it gets a little more uncomfortable. So, Hosea is like God and Gomer is like God's people, Israelites. If we lived back then and we put ourselves in this story and we are in here and climb into the text, where does that put you and me in this story? Who are we? Yes, (laughs) we are Gomer. We are God's people. We are the Israelites. So, do you see what God is saying to us here? What God is saying is that, do you realize that when we make things in our life more important than God, we are like a promiscuous woman going after other things other than our faithful husband? I know it's uncomfortable to think about, but when we take things in our life and elevate them above God, we are like a woman who is not satisfied with her husband but keeps looking elsewhere. When God isn't enough for you and me, we, I, you, me, we, are like Gomer. When that thing you just can't live without captivates your heart and mind and you just have to have it, we are like Gomer. Do you see how raw and honest God is is being with his people and with us? After hundreds of years, chance after chance after chance, heartbreak after heartbreak, God finally says, okay, I'm going to show it to you in a way that you can't miss it. This is what you and I are like. When you elevate anything above God in your life, you are like an unfaithful woman who wants or would rather the attention of dirty, paying men rather than your faithful, caring, loving husband. I know that's uncomfortable. God is saying that is how bad we look. Now, next week, we're going to pause on that and, and unpack that more because the biblical word for that is idolatry. Whatever we take and whatever we elevate to God's status in our hearts whether it's money, which is an easy idol. We might say, if I have enough money, I can feel secure and successful and powerful, or I can keep my worries away. That's an easy idol. Or family can be an idol. We say, if my kids turn out okay, then I know I'm a good person. 
or work and career can be an idol. We say, if, if peers respect me or I keep moving up the ladder and getting promoted, then I know I, I'm worth something. We can make an idol out of anything, and they're usually good things, but they can't fill the spot in your soul that is shaped like Jesus. And if you try to fill whatever that is, something else other than Jesus into that spot, what God is saying here is that you and I are like Gomer. So that's what we're going to unpack more next week. This week, we're going to look at, and I want to talk about Hosea. Hosea is unconditionally loving in the face of unspeakable heartbreak. And that's what God is like to you. God is unconditionally loving in the face of unspeakable heartbreaks. So how does it work out here in this story? Verse 3, Hosea says, yes, Lord. This is not easy, yes, Lord. He married Gomer, daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. And not just their marriage is part of this picture, is part of this object lesson, also their children's names. So the Lord said to Hosea, Call him Jezreel, because I will soon punish the house of Jehu, who was one of those bad kings, for the massacre at Jezreel, and I will put an end to the kingdom of Israel, the north. That judgment's coming in Hosea's lifetime when Assyria comes and destroys them. In that day, I will break Israel's bow in the valley of Jezreel. So Jezreel represents the evil kings, the bad leadership, and after chance, after chance, and God's mercy, they kept worshiping other gods, kept putting other things more important than God. They were immoral. They oppressed the poor. And finally, the consequences were coming. So, Hosea's sons are in on the living object lesson. So, the first son, oldest son's name really is bad leadership. How about that for naming your firstborn? Gomer then conceived again and gave birth to a daughter. And the Lord said to Hosea, Hosea, call her not loved. For I will no longer show love to Israel that I should at all forgive them. Yet I will show love to Judah, and I will save them, not by bow or sword or battle or by horses or horsemen, but I, the Lord, their God, will save them. Do you hear what seems to sound like God's conflicted heart here? It's like differing opposites in the same sentence, right? God is in the middle of making judgment and bringing justice for hundreds of years of evil injustice, and yet, he says, I will no longer show them love, yet I will show love to Judah. And through them, that is a promise of the Messiah, Jesus, I will show love to the entire world. I will save them. That's what God is like. God is not this mean, moody, petty guy in the sky. He loves his people, and it breaks his heart when they walk away. And it breaks God's heart when we love other things, yet God still is love. So even in, in his frustration, after years and years and chances and patience, he says, I will, I will save them. And it makes me wonder, what is God thinking? Like, what's wrong with God, right? Is he crazy? He just said his people are like a prostitute going after so many other things, and God's going to save them. God still loves them. They don't deserve that, and no way would I do that, and I'm pretty sure you might not either. You start to say, what kind of God is this? Do you see how irrational God's love is? Yes. 
Do you see how irrational God's mercy and forgiveness is? And do you see how committed God is to his people no matter what? This is God's heart. And this is in the heart of the Old Testament. This is God's heart of mercy and grace and forgiveness, which is God's character, the character of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, from the beginning. So that's two children. Now we got a third one. After Gomer had weaned, not loved, Gomer had another son, and the Lord said, Call him, not my people, for you are not my people, and I am not your God. Hmm, okay, let's see. Now we've got the whole family completed. There's the happy family photo of Hosea and Gomer, happy couple. And they meet some people on the street and say, hey, tell us about your children. They look very nice. And they say, well, here's our oldest son. His name's Bad Leadership. Okay, yeah, moving along. Here's our, here's our second, here's our daughter. Her name's Not Loved. Okay, and Ellen, our youngest son, Not My People. So I wonder, the middle child is named Not Love. Is this where uh, middle children issues originate is from Hosea's middle child being called Not Loved? I don't know. And then the final verses finish this way. It says, Yet the Israelites will be like the sand on the seashore, which cannot be measured or counted. In the place where it was said, You are not my people, they will be called children of the living God. The people of Judah and the people of Israel will come together. They will appoint one leader. This is 700 plus years before Jesus. Jesus is from the tribe of Judah, one leader coming. This, is, I think, is a messianic promise. One leader will come up out of the land, for great will be the day of Jezreel. So let me get this straight. God has loved his people from the beginning, saved them time and time again, and then asked them only in response for everything he's done, asked them to love and worship him alone. And at nearly every chance, they wander away, walk away, run away to, to money or popularity or power or success or comfort or just to fit in. And God waits for them to come back. God loves them, forgives them, and waits like a faithful husband that would not give up on a promiscuous wife to return. That is what God is like. And that's what God wants his people then to see, and that's what God wants us to see today. So to break it down, put it all together for you, I didn't write this, somebody else did, but it works. Hosea, you can break God's heart, but you cannot break God's love. You can break God's heart, but you cannot break God's love. You see, Hosea shows you what God is like. And sometimes we tend to these visions or ideas of God that he's some stoic, static, you know, boring, bearded guy who's completely unmoved by anything. The Bible never talks about God that way. The Bible says God is love. God has a real, live relationship with his people that is like a marriage. God is relationship. Father, Son, Holy Spirit is a loving relationship within the Trinity. And God shares that love with people. And so the Bible describes God as a passionate God for his people who wants to save them, wants to be with them. And so, yes, the Bible says God's heart breaks when we walk away, but God's love never breaks. Or like a story that Jesus told of a father with two sons and one runs far and far away, God is like a father who would spend everything to get that one lost son back. You can break God's heart, but you cannot break God's love. 
So you might want to know what happens then the rest of Hosea. If you read chapters 2 and 3, you find out. Unfortunately, Gomer does not stay faithful to Hosea, and she returns to her previous life. And then somehow she becomes indebted to others and then appears to be, is going to be sold into slavery. And then Hosea, again, goes and he finds her, and then he buys her back with his own money at his own cost and brings her back home and loves her again. So you're telling me a story about a God who would pay the price out of his own pocket to redeem out of slavery his beloved people who did not deserve it for a second. Does that story sound familiar? Do you see what God is like? You see, that's the story God is telling throughout the entire Bible. Yes, you and, you and me, we are the guilty ones. We are the wandering spouse that don't deserve forgiveness or love because God is holy and just, yet God is relentlessly loving and irrationally merciful. And Hosea points to Jesus 700 plus years before. He points to 700 years in the future when God himself would come and pay the price himself, Jesus on the cross, to redeem you from eternal slavery. That's how much God loves you. That God pursues you like a husband that will not give up on a repeatedly unfaithful wife. Or as Paul says it in Romans, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we are busy trying to Fill our hearts with stuff way smaller than Jesus. He is busy dying for you. That's how much God loves you. That's how deep his commitment is to you. God is like a father who sees his lost son still a long way off and runs out and spares no expense to bring him home. You can break God's heart, but you cannot break God's love. God is love from the beginning to the end. God has redeemed you. God is faithful to you when you are not faithful to God. God loves you when you wander away. God loves you even when you break his heart. God loves you, and God also wants you to love him back with your life. You can break God's heart, but you cannot break God's love. Amen.